Oh, it could happen easily because she gets out of, out of prison. She comes to Sacramento or wherever. She gets a license to do business. She's not fingerprinted. Uh, CII check is not done. She sets up her business. Hello, friends and enemies. My name is Courtney. And my name is Megan. And this is Cults, Killers, and Thrillers. Did you like my singing last episode? I did. It was very, Thank it you. was very lovely. <laughs> it was very accurate to our intro. Mm-hmm. I thought so as well. Rising Callan over here. (laughs) Watch out the voice. Okay, so we are back. And (laughs) back and ready for the attack. Okay, so um, first of all, I just want to say that this is a podcast read by two friends and we may make some jokes. There may be some banter. If you don't really like banter and jokes mixed with true crime, then um, I'm going to kindly recommend you to exit out of this podcast right now and check out another one because there's going to be laughter here. If you find that disrespectful, then um, I apologize, but we won't see you again. If you don't mind... Hello, how are you today? Also, I'm pretty good. On that note, though, yes? we have to say, yes, we we've prefaced this. It's in literally our bios and stuff that you know there will be some laughter. This is how we both cope yes. with traumatic things, and I'm not ashamed exactly. to say that. Like it, it's my coping mechanism to laugh at things to try get through it. Also, we mm-hmm. we will never, ever, in our lives, ever make fun of anyone that is a victim. Of any no. kind, of anything. I, however, Yuck. personally, yeah, don't give a single crap to make fun of any of the pieces of shits that do murder innocent people. I will drag them exactly. through the mud. Good. Like, Chris Watts yeah, Chris will look Watts, at you. <laughs> happy to make fun of that man because he is a piece of crap. Ted Bundy will True. happily make fun of him for the rest of my life because he is also a piece of crap. Exactly. Never will we mm-hmm. ever make fun of any victims. That's so disrespectful. And for anyone to ever even think yep. that can leave like you said exit out exactly so lovingly go kindly find a podcast without the banter because there's going to be banter we're just two friends okay guys anyway um i courtney i'm going to be talking about a lady serial killer today very exciting yeah um well lady serial killer yeah (gasps) yeah i think think it is yeah yeah it is oh my god yeah because we had a lady victim sweet Anita but um yeah we're doing a lady, lady serial killer, killer. she's oh she's crazy I, I just want to say I'm so hyped for this I know nothing I've seen what she looks like she <laughs> looks terrifying I know that there's a board yeah. that's all I know like literally Courtney's like there's a board I don't know what that means I have some theories exactly. I wrote down some theories when she told me there's a board would you like to hear would you like to hear my theories yes please do okay. because i may give it away in a second so no, no, no. Wait, what, what's wait the board till you get to that part because i want to see how close i got with my theories okay so okay courtney literally so said this... there's a board and i was like yes okay she's either a monopoly fan or she's a fan of board games <laughs> for some reason she was a teacher and she had a chalkboard <laughs> she had a crime board for all of her crimes and that's how she documented yes. and kept note or uh-huh. she also agrees the fact that Rose could have moved over and Jack could have fit on the board on the Titanic. <laughs> I wish she saw that movie. Um, very close. You're going to be so disappointed in what the actual board is. Oh, no. Um, I'm so scared. So that's really fun. <laughs> so it's not the Titanic option then? God damn it, Dorothea. <laughs> Letting me down already. <laughs> Sauce girl. So actually, um, she's a bit crazy. She's um, I didn't know much about Dorothea. I saw a quick TikTok of her a couple of months ago, and I was like, I want to look more into this woman. And um, Dorothea Pionte is also known as the Deaf House Landlady. Um, oh she yeah, that's what she's known as. She's one of those cases that made my mouth like drop as I kept reading. I would kept gasping because she is so many levels of mess I'm um i'm kind of so excited, yeah but scared it's it's crazy she looks terrifying. so i got a lot of she is she's horrifying she's a heartless cow anyway so i got a lot of insight from true crime writer ryan green's book um buried beneath the boarding house <gasps> 
So she runs a boarding house. I didn't even think so, of like, floors. Oh, wait, are we talking yeah. technically boards in a house or like a boarding house? Like a boarding house. Like a boarding house, like taking oh, in like okay. people. So she's not burying people beneath them. a floor? <laughs> oh, she is, of course. That's why it's to court that. Um, anyway, sorry, spoiler. It. <laughs> yeah, it's so heavy. So it's. My mind went to Monopoly and the Titanic and not the floorboards. <laughs> that explains Megan and one. It really does. Um, <laughs> so, like, um, it was so interesting. If you're really interested in knowing more about the case after listening to these parts, because there will be two parts because she is so much, I recommend reading it because it's so much. It's so deep. It's not It's not a big book. It's only, like, 150 pages. But, like, it feels like it's, it's freaking deep. You could finish it in a day. Because <laughs> um, I'm so intrigued already yeah. and I know nothing. I can't wait. She is so much. So I was just dawdling with this case because, like, we already had five cases, like, recorded and stuff. And then we're actually up to, like, up to date now. So I'm like, oh, crap. So let's dig in to Dorothea. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm hyped. Let's go. So the year was 1929 in Redlands, California. Two migrants, a young couple, Trudy May and Jesse James Gray, grouped up with a tide of job seekers at the time. These two did not have any agricultural experience, as all of the rest had. They had just assumed they could do the work of hard labour of cramming oranges into crates and sending them off onto the trains. They couldn't do this very well. And so they were booted from the factory. Goodbye. Trudy... Oh, no, right. See you, girl. <laughs> Trudy could not find any source of employment after this, and Jesse was left to pick cotton for a sharecropper. Jesse was also a drunk who had served in World War I. It was there that he became badly injured and his lungs became damaged from a gas attack, which had left him frail and weak for the remainder of his life. So it's a good thing he was an alcoholic on top of that. Right? Why are they always you know, alcoholics? Get them lungs healthy. Oh my, especially back then. And so these days, he couldn't show up to work half the time, and so even less money for them to survive on. And he was their only source of income. Though even on the days he did make it into work, he would just spend it all that same night on even more drinks at the bar before returning home to his wife and family. Yeah, so love that. Then, on the 9th of January, 1929, Dorothea Helen Gray was born. She was a Capricorn. (gasps) Of course. There you go. (laughs) I like how I say that every time. She's like, of course they (laughs) are. I know, right? Of course. And also, she was the sixth of seven children. Jesus. So, big family. I didn't even like the sound of having one of one child. Like, child. That's enough for me. <laughs> right. Six of seven? I don't think... I don't think these parents cared much either. Anyway. Unfortunately for Dorothea, during Trudy's pregnancy, she had not slowed on her drinking, <gasps> as she too was a drunk like a husband. Oh my god, no. That's so bad. Yeah. Don't drink in pregnancy. It's so bad. Please. I know. Like... Dorothy had a rough start, so feel bad for the kids, always. So Trudy had drank so much that when she had breastfed Dorothea, the pa- the baby had spent most of her time in a silent stupor from the effects <gasps> of alcohol. And not even that, she was left to sit around in her own feces for hours at a time due to Trudy being far too lazy to change her nappy or slash diaper. So she was so drunk, the breast milk was like alcohol. Yeah. Stop yeah. it. Yeah. It's so wild. So even though the breast milk was quite riddled with alcohol, it may have been the most that Dorothea was to be fed in her young upbringing, as when it was time for her to be moved onto solid foods, it was lacking a lot. (gasps) That's so bad. Stop. Yeah. It's so sad. Her older siblings had taught her how to fend and salvage for scraps on the streets and (sighs) even gaining some bits and pieces from their neighbours. It's so sad. That's like, so, why have kids if you can't provide? Disgusting. I know. Like, stop it. Anyway, so when Trudy found out that her kids had been begging for food out of the home, she felt they were shaming her and there were punishments. Um, so, punishments were involved because they were trying to get food for themselves. Oh my god. How about um, feed your children and then that way they don't have to make you look bad by asking for help? I don't like right? this mother. I hate her already. No. I know she's Trudy, awful. It's on site. <laughs> Trudy, please. Dorothea's older siblings knew of Trudy's ways, but Dorothea was young and slow and could hardly walk at the time, so she mainly got the short end of the stick in receiving the physical beatings. (gasps) Oh, poor thing. I know. So to Trudy, the children were an unwanted chore, and for most of the time, she liked to pretend they didn't exist at all. Oh, my God. Trudy, I swear to God. So Trudy would spend her time ignoring them and focusing on drinking her alcohol. So, you know, got to stick to what you know. 
why have kids again? Stop. Mm -hmm. Oh, Jesse's just as bad. Jesse also rarely interacted with his children. He was a very rare sight for them as he was out of the house either drinking or at work most of the time. The only few times Jesse would interact with his kids would be the ones with sudden bursts of violence. Oh my god. And he absolutely despised them all. He would even threaten shooting himself in front of them. I hate these people. Yeah. Not like not so, like love. trying to um Yeah. What's the word? Like mm support Dorothea on everything she does later in life but like Jesus Christ this obviously yeah. did not help with her yeah like nature versus yeah. nature for sure if so if one of Jesse's kids came in to reach he would slap them just because he could <laughs> when he was home and wanted alone time with his wife the kids were banished to the streets during the night time <gasps> so this was very rare but it happens while the kids were out searching for food during the night this was also when the kids would come across people who weren't very nice oh no dorothea would get slapped into gutters <gasps> if being caught grabbing some food and unfortunately on more than one occasion she would be sexually assaulted <gasps> her and her sisters had never discussed this part though stop it this is... And to make things worse? Oh no. How do they get worse? Well, the kids knew all about sex from a super young no. age, as they had to share a single roomed home with their incredibly horny <gasps> but drunk parents. So these two should not have drunk bread even once. But um, they went to church on the weekends. Oh, thank God. The Lord is here to save. Oh my God. <laughs> church did so much. But this was weird that they were taught that sex was actually evil and bad, which left them to major confusion. Oh my god, yeah, that's so messed up. So Dorothea felt shame from what would happen to her, but chose to suffer in silence and told no <gasps> one about her assaults. So she, Dude, yeah, no. had a really sad upbringing. Could you imagine that, um, though? Je like, like she, mm. obviously, like, that's something you need to tell people of, obviously, but, like, then yeah. to be going to, like, especially a place like a church, and then for the men being, like, it's wrong. It's going to be even yep. more conflicting on, like, such a young child as well. I know. It's so sad. But then um, Jesse soon became very sick. He was, di he was diagnosed with tuberculosis, being lethal and contagious to anyone getting close to him. The church would help them out, furnishing the family with food and alms, which would inspire Dorothea later in life when it comes to receiving sympathy. Oh, God. So, remember that. Jesse passed in early 1937. So long. And Dorothea was only eight years old at the time. So sad you lost your father, but, like, it wasn't that big of a loss, Dorothea, there. Now, the family's only source of income had been taken away and nobody wanted to employ Trudy. <laughs> So, with this, Trudy got into prostitution. Oh, Trudy. So, she would have been gone for weeks at a time sometimes, and so the kids would be left with the home to themselves, which they preferred. So, I would prefer that oh too. Oh, my God. Was Dorothy the youngest? She was mm. the second youngest. Second youngest, yeah. Oh. A year after the loss of Jessie, though, Trudy had been riding on the back of the motorcycle of one of her clients, and they had gotten into an accident. <gasps> they were sent down a rocky slope, and then when found, her body couldn't be made up to look human again <gasps> from such a giant impact what? made to her. Dorothea was nine, and now both her parents were dead. That's so yeah. messed up. Oh, it gets worse. No. <laughs> So since the kids no longer had their parents, the government took them in. And because there were so many of them, the seven of them were split into different Aww. orphanages that had spare beds. The places were understaffed and lacked food. Oh no. I feel so, so bad sad. for these so, kids. Yeah, her first 10 years of life was just... Yeah, not good. Not it. A year passed again and things started to change in a good way. <gasps> Yay. So... One of Trudy's sisters finally found out about her sister's passing and chose to take all the children in to live with her. Aww. It had taken several months to find them all, but it was done. Aww. Dorothea was reunited with the family members that mattered most to her. She Aww. was now in Frenzo, California. Aww. So yay! So this is where our little women? Yeah. Bless. What's aunt. her name? Yeah. Do we have a name? I don't know. Oh, bless Just you, aunt. Whoever you are. Aunt. <laughs> Unless things get yeah. bad, they'd like, screw you. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's good but Dorothea she wanted more than that she had suffered the worst out of all of them and she wanted to feel safe again in her new life so this is the beginning of a lot um, she chose to add even more distance from her past and so it began Dorothea began writing up a whole new story about herself in her head with only the good memories such as nights spent in the homes of lovely Mexican families mm. that, th that seemed to care about her and the love she felt from her siblings 
Whenever people asked about her past, she would put this new story of hers to light. Now stating that she grew up in Mexico with 18 brothers and sisters, oh she would repeat this until it was real and it stuck to her. So, Could you imagine like, that much trauma that she literally created a new life to yeah. try and hide her trauma? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. She has so much. She also learned Spanish to support her lie and tried to blend into the Mexican community and friend zone. I mean, so like, she, was she so went all out. Bit, she was like... I'm going to learn me some Spanish. Wow. Dorothea spent the next few years in friends, so she had attended school on a regular basis for the first time. She wore fresh clothes and was growing into a beautiful teenager, Aww. which I did try to find pictures of because I heard she was really pretty, but I couldn't find young pictures of Dorothea. So like... Yeah, because when you were like, she was apparently really pretty. I wanted to see what she looked like because like, no offense to Dorothea. She's she did not age well. Yeah, she no, didn't. So she I was don't. like, how was she so beautiful when I couldn't find anything anywhere? But there was a, truly an opportunity to build a life for herself here. That was until the government intervened again. Oh no, the government. They were, I swear to God. Yeah, the government. I know. They had one job. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> there were too many children in the house for the number of bedrooms. This was seen as a danger to Dorothea and their siblings. And so they were removed from the family home and put this time into foster homes across the state. That's so stupid. I know. Ridiculous. Like, if they're mm. safe, who cares that they're sharing a room? Like, I've shared a room right? with my sister. As long as they're together. As a kid. Right. Ridiculous. Oh my god. Dorothea ended up in Napa, and while in the home chosen for her, she did not like the rules that were placed before her and would fight against them, no matter how reasonable the rules were. She didn't like the idea of having a curfew and didn't understand why she needed to come straight home from school. (laughs) So she didn't understand why she needed to come home from school because... She's used to her chill life, yeah. so... So by the time she was 16, she had enough, and she dropped out of school and moved out and learned how to make money on her own. She cut ties with her foster family, her aunts and uncles, and even chose to mentally replace her real siblings with the ones she made up in oh her head God. from her false bringing up in Mexico. It was easier on her nerves to be 100% in control of her life story. Could you imagine, so. though, having to remember the names of 18 fake siblings that you have? Oh, she, there's a lot she needs to remember. I can't remember how old I am sometimes, let alone remember the name of 18 <laughs> fake siblings. She caught a bus with the little money that she saved and made it to Pudget Sound in Washington. Dorothea set out to get herself established in this brand new place. She was described to have smooth skin, blue eyes, and silky pale hair. These features made her to be the picture of beauty of her time. And with this, she also had a light Mexican accent in which she... Also added an exotic quality to her. Oh my god. So she's out here faking an accent too. It was here that she chose to follow in her mother's footsteps and work the streets. She was securing customers incredibly quickly. And so Dorothea was a prostitute at sixteen. Oh my god, no. Yeah. There's no shame against sex workers either, but like underage sex workers, workers no. Sorry. Yeah, 40s. Jesus. It was the year 1945, and this was a great time to be a prostitute in the United States. So, oh, like, okay. go off. Love that. World War II was finishing, and soldiers were returning back home from around the world, and a lot hadn't seen a real-life woman in years, so <gasps> business for Dorothea was, like, booming or banging. Sorry. I'll let you have that. that. <laughs> Bye. So amongst the men paying to have sex with her was Fred McFall. He was a 22-year-old soldier who returned from a bloody deployment from the Pacific. Straight away, he had become infatuated with Dorothea during his visits to her. He ended up not just booking his regular slot, but booked extra time just to talk with her. Oh my god. Like, good on you, Fred. I mean, that sounds cute and all, but she's 16. I mean, my nan got married at 16, so like... Fred. I know it's weird. <laughs> so Dorothea told him of her false story about growing up in Mexico. She also gained some sympathy from him by speaking about a pa- past on parents. Within a few weeks, Fred proposed marriage to her. Weeks? She said yes. As yeah, weeks. Fred was like, I love Fred her. Went fast. I want to marry her. <laughs> Go off, Fred. And so she said yes as she saw no better options on the horizon. So I mean, she was like, <laughs> fair enough. Whatever you would do. <laughs> So straight into their relationship, Dorothea already had her hands all over Fred's pocketbook. Of course she, she was did. getting that money. She was certain that he would provide and that she had super expensive taste. 
same. She wanted things like silk stockings, floral dresses, and hair appointments constantly. She wanted the best of everything, and Fred was so in love that he just made sure that she always got that. Oh my god, Fred. <laughs> Fred, please, you sweet. <sighs> sweet goose. I mean, but I guess I can understand why she'd be like that, having nothing and going through so much. Oh, yeah. Like she's like, well, I have the money yeah. now, whether it be properly yeah. or not, whether Someone I'm else's. kind of taking it a bit, I'm going to treat myself to it so I can get that. Yeah. No, I totally got that. She's like, you know, I've gone without so long. I'm going to I'm gonna get that designer stuff. So their wedding was an expensive, over-the-top wedding in Reno, Nevada. Fred's family lived here, so they all attended. Dorothea spun them from her story of growing up in Mexico and told them that she couldn't get in touch with her family down there and she didn't expect to see these people again. So she went wild with her tales. She's like, I'm not going to see them. What a shame the 18 siblings couldn't attend the wedding. How sad. (laughs) Or Fred's family. She's like, I'm not going to see Fred's fam again. Oh, Oh, well. I'm going to tell him a lie. She went so far as to claim that Fred had rescued her from the Bataan death march during the war in the Philippines, not thinking of the fact that she would have been 13 at the time. Well, okay, did Fred just go along with that? Fred's like, yeah, that's where I found her. <laughs> she was 13. What? I love that. So his family just thought these wild stories were due to nerves and champagne. Oh my god, yeah, they're like, she's drunk. <laughs> Yeah, they're like, okay, yeah, she's drinking too much. She's excited. So now as a husband, Fred secured work for himself in Gardnerville, and their honeymoon period was wonderful for the both of them. Dorothea had found someone who truly cared about her, or the story that she told about herself at least. So she showed her appreciation the only way she knew how, with sex. I thought that's where I was going. So... After a while, Fred became almost overwhelmed by the amount of attention Dorothea would give him in that area, and she had a need to satisfy satisfy her nymphomania. So, oh my god, Fred's like, please, I need, I just give me a banana and some water, please. (laughs) I can't keep going. (laughs) Please give me something else. This topic wasn't really discussed much in the forties, but if it was, it would seem odd that Fred had a complaint of too much of it. But thankfully. (laughs) <laughs> he's like well no because when you think about it i guess like people are like hell yeah like go get it and fred's like please yeah. stop he's like i'm like i'm i'm i'm, I'm done <laughs> but thankfully when settling into their new home dorothea began giving some of her energy to the kitchen instead she would cook him incredible mexican meals and she cooked the meals well uh-huh. the rest of the house when it came to cleanliness story was majorly flawed she never had been taught how to actually clean up so Fred, having been in the army and knowing how to have a well-organized space, mm-hmm. took upon himself to do the cleaning. So he often complained, so Dorothea read this as just wanting more sex. Oh my God. So she redoubled her efforts in the bedroom. But this made them fall apart even oh more. My gosh. I mean, being a prostitute at such a young age and having, again, all of those bad yeah. experiences with sex, it's probably like the only thing yeah, she knows like, how to do. Yeah, she's like, man. Yeah, exactly. But Dorothea became pregnant. Oh, no. This became a relief to Fred as the sexual intimacy could finally have a break. Oh my God. So he's like, thank, he's like, thank God she's pregnant sex. now she'll leave me Sweet. alone. <laughs> so a year into their marriage, she gave birth to a baby girl. When Dorothea looked down at her newborn, oh no. she felt absolutely nothing. <gasps> no. So poor Fred was horrified. On the days that he left Dorothea with their child to go to work, he would return home to the poor baby crawling around in his unchanged poopy nappy slash diaper. And that was put on her that morning. No. Oh, no. So the whole house seemed it looked like had a bomb through it. And Dorothea was definitely not housewife of the year. It's not happening. So the child was just three months old and Dorothea dumped her to live with her mother-in-law. <gasps> this event caused even more distance in the marriage between her and Fred. He didn't like to confront her about these things because her temper rose quickly and she would like go off to get drunk, which meant her flirting with lots of other random men. Oh, no. so, this is a lot already. And we're not even into anything so yet. Much. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Eventually, Dorothea cleaned up her act and actually started to clean up the house. Fred saw this as a good sign and attempted to meet her halfway. This involved going back to the bedroom. Oh, God. So, instead of love and affection, Dorothea thrived off sex and alcohol to fill her void deep inside. And poor Fred mistook this lust for love. Oh, no. <laughs> and before 
they knew it. She was pregnant again. Oh, he thought this time would be different and that this would be a terming, turning point in their relationship and that Dorothea would lovingly raise his child as they would be able to bring their first daughter home to finally start their family. Oh, Unfortunately, this is not the case. This is this is not already. One day, while Fred was at work, Dorothea went into labor without notifying him. She gave birth and then gave the baby up for adoption <gasps> right away. While returning home, yeah, stop, <laughs> yeah, she just popped out the kid and got rid of it. And Fred's like, "Honey, yeah, I'm homeless." Like, <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> She's a savage. So she put it up for adoption right away. So while returning home, telling Fred that she lost a baby via a miscarriage just to get sympathy from him. I cannot. So um, she was sick of him and their life together. So when he confronted her more about it, she just told him that she gave it away. What? I'm literally Ugh. speechless. Me too. So, um, Fred desperately went to the authorities to try and find his child, oh but God. it was long gone. Oh no. Like, poor Fred. And this was the last draw for him. He went straight for the divorce papers, and that was that. That is nuts. Which is, like, fair. No, I don't blame Fred, him for that either. you deserve better. Goodbye. Hope you had a good life. Um, but I also read online that Fred left Dorothea after she actually had a miscarriage, but I thought I'd also mention that just to cover all kinds of things. Yeah. Um, but it is Dorothea, and she's a born liar. Do I know the truth? 100%? No. But I don't think anyone does. And so that's the thing. I personally would believe the first way it yeah, was, though, because she nuts. seems that awful. Um, but the main thing is that Fred got out. So lucky man. He deserves oh the world. Um, I hope that he got the world. I hope. Um, there's not much information on Fred what happened after. I just hope that he found happiness and got to raise his first daughter peacefully. That's nuts. Like, yeah. So don't know what happened to a kid. Don't know what happened to Fred. But hopefully things went well. Dorothea, and for the children so. involved too. Hopefully they ended up having some kind of a good life. Oh, I hope so. I Despite really hope not so. coming into the best, but oh my god, that's nuts. Mm. How is it going to get so worse from now. here? This is already like so much. I'm so I said, worried. My jaw could not be open. This is why I've been having so many big breaks with this woman. Oh my god. Okay, I'm ready. Yeah. Let's go. It was now 1948, and Dorothea was freshly divorced and made her way to Los Angeles. When asked about her husband, she spun some false stories about him being a war hero who tragically died young from a heart attack. Oh my god, her stories. Oh my gosh, don't get me started. <laughs> she tried to jump straight back into the prostitution game, but unfortunately for her, it wasn't such a good year for it in comparison to 1945. Dorothea was only 19, and her hard life was catching up to her. After having two kids and eating more than she ever had, that she just couldn't pull in the men like she had once before. Because I didn't realize she was like only 19 by this point. Jesus, that's so yeah. much. Though, she's still done the work, and by the next year, she began stealing from her clients to get even more money for herself. So she went home with them, some of them and she would just do her best to avoid having sex and try to get them drunk enough to pass out so she could ransack the place for valuables and cash. Oh my god. She was pretty good at stealing while on the job, though it didn't last very long. In early 1949, bartenders went to the police about a young woman doing the rounds stealing from men. Good on them. I know, right? Within the week of the report of going in, Dorothea was arrested and because she was pretty young, the judge was quite easy on her. So she was sentenced to just one year in prison. <laughs> so prison was a bit of a wake up for call for Dorothea. We know Dorothea was a major slob and when it was seen that a cell was exactly how her house was with Fred, she was ridden up and punished for it. Yeah. Because of this, the other prisoners looked down on her and treated her like she was less than them. And this was enough for Dorothea to pick up her act and have the cleanest cell in the whole prison. Not to be seen as a better person, but because she didn't want to be seen as less than others. So. I mean, like, <laughs> sucky situation, but good wake-up call, I guess, like you said. Oh, for sure. So in prison, she learnt how to, well, manipulate people oh, Jesus. more and how to get what she wants out of relationships. So she learnt the beginnings of how to do crime properly by the <gasps> pros, I guess. She learnt how to forge signatures and how to avoid the same patterns that she had been making. Stop. Oh, yeah. She was like, I'm going to be a criminal, man. You're meant to come out of prison and, like, be, like... Rehabilitated? No, yes, exactly. And she comes out of prison being like, now I'm a criminal. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. She was like, 
This is my time. Then a time came for Dorothea to be released back into the world. She learned not to make those same mistakes that she did before. She returned to the streets and gotten tips from some of LA's most successful prostitutes, learning where to pick up, what hotels to use, you know, the good stuff. She left the Riverside County and went to the city center of LA, which was in direct violation of her parole. <gasps> but she went to work and she made more than enough. The police turned a blind eye on the prostitutes as a bunch of them actually used their services. So the police oh, were like, God. I do not see it because I use you. Jesus. You know. <laughs> <sighs> so that was a thing. She was making an absolute bank, but this was not enough for her as she immediately spent all her money on the finest of things, such as the best liquors, silk stockings, dresses, hats, and ate at restaurants every day. Girls, She was like living that high life. This successful year in prostitution came to a halt though, as suddenly Dorothea found herself to be pregnant again, oh. this time from a random client. Oh no, <laughs> Dorothea, please. So... I know. She had no access to a safe abortion, so she had given birth at a 19, in 1950 in a San Francisco hospital. When asked who the father of the baby was when Dorothea handed a newborn girl over to an adoption agency, she said, just as a man. Oh, <laughs> just as a man. The man that paid that extra dollar to do the deed without a condom, she didn't care to remember his name. <laughs> that was Dorothea. She got that extra dollar, so that was what was important. Dude, an extra dollar was not worth all of that. <laughs> I know. Stop it right now. Dorothea, please. <laughs> She's already on my last nerve. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you gave me. You're like, just wait. <laughs> Dorothea was now in San Francisco and she did not want to end up in the same situation of getting pregnant on the job now so she chose to search for some economical stability meaning it was time to find a new husband oh my god I thought so, you were gonna say like birth control but you're like <laughs> trying to find no, a new husband, husband obviously so it was a bit harder this time round as she had now been through three childbirths and had been in prison and had the habit of overeating these days so her figure wasn't as small as when she was younger oh my god so, it took almost two years to find a second husband, and his name was Axel Johansson. Axel was a merchant seaman. <laughs> we are five. <laughs> Sorry. He was a seaman of Swedish descent. He... <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Sorry, guys, you didn't kind of oh don't god. like that kind of joke. Um, there's other podcasts, I promise. <laughs> So he was of um, Swedish descent who wanted to make a life for himself in San Francisco. He made good money in his job, and this was a plus in Dorothea's book. She was like, <laughs> man makes money. Dorothea spun him all of the lies about a childhood and life, oh and he laughed it all up. He would be out at sea often, but whenever he returned, he went straight to Dorothea to hear more. She told him of her brave soldier husband, Fred, who had been struck down in his prime and made up a new life for herself, and how, how she became a rocket in New York City. Stop. But not only... <laughs> oh my God. Right. But not only this, she also had an award-winning seafood restaurant in San Francisco, she told Askel she, Axel. She commuted between New York and San Francisco to do both. Yes. I cannot with her. At least make them, like, a plausible lie. <laughs> she said no. How, what if he, one day he's like, come, show me your award-winning seafood restaurant, and she'd be like, I'm sorry, it burnt down. It's no longer there. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> So, her cooking was so good, though, that he had no doubts in his mind that she had won awards for her meals. And her career as a rocket came to a tragic end just because, just before they crossed paths. Of course it did. So, funny that. An accident happened upon the stage, leading Dorothea to have a broken leg. And that was the end of that dream. Oh or lie. I cannot deal with her. Axel made sure not to mention dancing in front of Dorothea <laughs> in case it would upset her. Like, these men are such simps. Oh my god. So, he soon proposed to her. And they were married in yet another elaborate ceremony for Dorothea. The wedding party was small, but she is extra. Oh my god. 
So Dorothea had done the same to Axel as she had to Fred. She fed him the good meals while being very active in the bedroom. When Dorothea was left alone, her new husband went off to sea for weeks at a time. She became reckless and drank much more than she ate, spending most of her time drunk. The state of her home became a disaster and she never got around to cleaning it before her husband's return. Axel came home to a pigsty of a house and, pa- and a passed out wife in their bed. Oh my god. And now I'd like to give a trigger warning as we are going to um, enter into domestic abuse territory no um yes domestic abuse is happening now so um because of this dorothea was beaten for having the house in such a way and not welcoming him properly it was a way to teach her a lesson a lot of men did that back then for similar reasons wives weren't equal to the husbands that was the way the 50s vintage style not vintage values because um what the beer was going on guys so the beating had worked and she immediately (laughs) it had worked oh it's cured like oh my gosh it's not that's but that's how they were but yeah she immediately cleaned up her act and she had a meal on the table for him and she would spin more and more of his stories she even claimed that the actress rita hayworth to be her best friend as she spoke of their time in new york together she was besties with Rita Hayworth. I can't do- I'm so speechless with all of this. This is so much to take in. That's how I feel. That is ridiculous. <laughs> also, love how he won't mention dancing around her in case it triggers some past yeah. made-up trauma. Right. But he'll beat her up. Right. But the more Axel was spending time with her, the more he was becoming sick of her. Rude. <laughs> No offense, but like. (laughs) So he delayed his returning back home when at sea as he wanted to stay away and feared what his house would look like when he returned. So Dorothy would do what she does best and return to the bars and chatted up men, eventually taking many men home to sleep with her in her and Axel's bed when he was away. I cannot deal with her. Oh, me neither. She's... I don't know anymore. The neighbours got back to Axel, telling him of the odd behaviour of the cars coming and going through the nights, and so the beatings became more intense and more regular. Dorothea never blamed him for doing this, as she knew that she was the case of betraying his trust. It's so wild back then. Like, oh my gosh, guys, are you okay? That's ridiculous. I know, right? Dorothea had actually collected quite the amount of prescription drugs. She claimed to her neighbours that she was a holistic doctor. And so the neighbourhood would come to her if they were feeling ill. And she would prescribe them with the drugs. (laughs) She's, oh my gosh. She became quite obsessed with this. This made Axel quite nervous because she never mentioned it in her stories that she had been to medical school. (laughs) I just love how much he believes her. (laughs) And he found that she could eventually kill someone by doing this. (laughs) Same, Axel. Jesus. She's like, wow. Why doesn't, like, instead of, like, could you imagine, though, instead of making up these stories of things she's done, if she actually went and pursued Right? She would be so much more, like... like, How much better would her life have been? Go to medical school. Don't lie about it. Like, come on. So, when he confronted about her... For this whole endeavor, she started spitting off some story about receiving medical training in Mexico. This was the last straw for Axel. He felt that he didn't know her at all and that this was just a big lie. Maybe because it was. You think? So in 1961, Axel had Dorothea committed. (laughs) Oh my god. He's like, no, no more. Go to hospital. Jesus. So, um, Dorothea didn't have the best time in the San Francisco Marine Hospital. There was no separation between the mentally unwell and the injured people, so the place was ridiculed with random diseases. Oh, God. Yeah. The workers found her to be a very confusing patient with her stories that constantly changed. Like, poor things. Yeah, you think? I hope they got a raise. Mental health was still being worked out during the time, but back then, Dorothea was diagnosed with undifferentiated schizophrenia, believing that she couldn't tell the difference between her realistic hallucinations and real events. And this was oh, the damn. reason she had no emotional attachment to those around her. Mm, wow. Wild. So she was ordered to give up alcohol, then was given back to her husband. Oh, that's all they did? Yeah. They're like, no more alcohol for you. They're like, here's your diagnosis. Don't drink. Yeah. Goodbye. Pretty much. I, 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 I okay. I'm, I'm just speechless. I don't know what to say. That's how I feel. Yeah. That is insane. So Axel didn't really have an idea of how to speak to her anymore. And they became more distant to each other. He was scared to leave her for work, not knowing what she would do. Scared the neighborhood would find out that she'd been in the hospital. Sorry, I was kind of just reminded you, side note, of um, Gossip Girl when Lily just wanted anyone to know that Eric was in hospital and that he was oh at Miami. <laughs> Go to Marlins. <laughs> Go to Marlins. <laughs> 
Um, but he did return to work, incredibly anxious the entire time out at sea. Though, when he returned, the house was spotless, and Dorothea was gone without a word. What? Yeah. Oh my god, I was like, she's changed her ways. No, she she's left. Good. No, no, she's, she's just gone. <laughs> Dorothea went straight to Sacramento as soon as Axel left off to work, while taking what was left of their savings with her. So she wiped <gasps> out their bank account and left. Oh my god. So then she quickly started up a brothel. So like a female pimp, oh, dead mother. No, no, no. She was the madam of the brothel. Like me when I play Grand Theft Auto. Um. Um, so women who Dorothea didn't take up in this endeavor ended up getting incredibly jealous and reported the brothel to the police almost as quickly as it began. So it ended pretty quickly. Um, the brothel was situated in a nicer neighborhood than the usual and a detective went in undercover and Dorothea explained the pricing of the girls and she had ready to go. When he didn't seem interested, Dorothea offered herself to give him fellatio, to perform fellatio on him. And she was arrested on the spot. With the rest of the girls. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Things just go from like zero to a hundred real quick with this woman. She's just a roller coaster. She's like, she lived a life. So much. So she tried to. Whether it was real or not, she lived it. (laughs) Right. She lived everything. So she tried telling the police that she had just been visiting a friend and had nothing to do with the prostitution. Like, ma'am, you just were asked if you could give him. Anyway, um, but surprise, surprise, this story did not work out in court and she was sentenced to jail for 90 days for prostitution. So being back in jail was actually quite comforting to Dorothea. Oh no. When she was in jail, she made up a whole new game plan in her head, mentally writing up a new story for herself. You know, it never stops. There was some kind of issue though. She couldn't leave the jail without a fixed address. So she was surprised that Axel didn't drop everything and come to her rescue. Like... Oh my god. Like, excuse me? Because he owes her something, apparently. Apparently, you just took all his money and had heaps of affairs. And, uh, anyway, so Axel didn't answer the calls at all. On his end, he was organising a divorce from her. They'd done over 10 years of marriage, and he was incredibly done with her. Like, good effort, 10 years. Oh my Far god. Fire out, dude. So since she had nowhere to go after the 90 days, she was arrested for another 90 days on this for vagrancy. So, for being without a home. <laughs> can be arrested for not having yeah. a house. I was like, what? Okay. I don't know. That was a thing. Yeah. Not having a fixed address. They're like, you, you just don't have anything. Okay. Well, try finding a place when you're in jail. That's unless, unless, was this like a parole violation? The fact Maybe. that she didn't have a house and that's why. Because I was going to say, who just arrests someone because they don't have a that's house? ridiculous. So Dorothea uses time in prison more wisely. She had a plan to create oh, connections so she could get out the next lot of 90 days. She actually had made a reputation for herself as a health expert. Oh my god. Taking what knowledge she knew on a prescription pills from her little phase with her and Axel's neighbours not so long ago. She ended up impressing everyone with her knowledge and her prison friends had put her in touch with their other friends in the health industry. Dorothea was now a nurse's aide. <gasps> this is not a poor person. She's I didn't want nursing really out me. here living every life. Oh, she is, honestly. Barbie is shaking. Dorothea was then visiting the homes of the elderly and disabled to help them with their daily tasks and to keep them company, which she found quite boring. (laughs) She's the story of sunshine. If she does anything to hurt an old person, I'm gonna throw fists. Oh no, she does throw fists. Multiple. That's more for later. (laughs) But then, Dorothea found a way to make Dorothea happy. She would cook alongside (laughs) them and eat their food. And she would swap, she would also swipe a bottle or two of their meds that could be easily replaced. She even scavenged through their liquor cabinets to keep herself entertained. If she saw a piece of cash lying around the place as she cleaned, she felt she was just doing her duty by taking it with her. She put on such a cheery persona that her clients didn't even notice that anything was wrong. I am just, like, jaw-dropped speechless. Mm-hmm. Her poor clients had trusted her with banking their security or pension checks. When they needed money taken out of their accounts, Dorothea would also slip an amount for herself, too. She would target only the most vulnerable as well. Oh Isn't she gosh. lovely? Stop. Sarcasm, by the way. She's not lovely. After a while, Dorothea actually became inspired by those she tended to. She wanted what they had. The dying and disabled. She, and that was sympathy. 
She wanted sympathy like them. So she would begin creating her own tales of woe to tell the social workers that she would come across. She would tell them about her having breast cancer and also a brain tumor (gasps) and other types of cancer. She's lying about cancer now. Her stories would switch up a lot. An occurring theme for Dorothea, but what the heck? Yeah, cancer. I cannot deal. (laughs) I'm like genuinely, I've said this like eight times, but I'm so speechless. So no one really believed her lies and just thought she was some major hypochondriac. So during this time in Dorothea's life in the early 60s, Axel finally got his divorce from her. So that was final. Also, Dorothea wouldn't find this out until a few years later. So, no idea. <laughs> Didn't notify her of her divorce. I know, she's like, oh, divorce, oh, whatever. So he was still a part of her great life story. So she spent her days continuously making up. He was told to be the Swedish ambassador, or later she would say that he was the brother of famous boxer Enigma Johannesson. So. I cannot deal with her. I'm surprised she's not like, he was a Swedish prince and I'm royal. <laughs> right. My God, the queen of Sweden over here. <laughs> So while on the job, Dorothea would find ways to dose up her clients so they'll be pretty much out of it. So she herself could lounge around and do nothing. She got more familiar with the meds and she would even powder certain ones to put in either their food or their cocktails. And she would make them to make this happen. This becomes very prominent in her path. So remember this. Cocktails She's and food. She's everyone because she doesn't want to work. Yep. Thankfully, all of her clients made it up out alive. Well, most of. Some had actually passed away, but the autopsies had just shown that the medication shown up in her system were prescribed by their doctors anyway. Then it was time for Dorothea oh. to retire from private nursing in 1966. Thank God for that. Anyway, Dorothea was quite wealthy now from her career, mostly stealing from her clients, but she had um, craved someone new in her life. Dorothea, please, I can't. So she was able to rent a large house on the corner of 21st and F Street, and now her next goal was to have a boarding house. Though she knew she would be denied a license to this, but still, this was her new goal. This would give her the opportunity to have a much larger client base, all under one roof, so she could make it easier for her to steal. And because (gasps) she was aging so badly, being mistaken for looking in her 50s and 60s while being only almost 40, she already had the look of a sweet old lady, which definitely would benefit her. So to get the house ready, Dorothea needed some young, strong men to help her out with heavy lifting. She ended up contacting the young Hispanic community. She claimed to have Mexican ancestry because this lady does not speak the truth. Young, strong men in the area, please run away. Oh my gosh, please. She had lots of people jump to her aid. And when she told a sub story of wanting to help the elderly community amongst the people to help her was the one Roberto Pionte. So Roberto was a Mexican immigrant and only 20 years old when he had laid eyes on Dorothea. To him, she was his ticket into the United States. He wouldn't have to hide from immigration authorities if he had a life with her. And Dorothea had money. And he knew this, and she would walk around as she would walk around in fancy clothes. So what she's been doing is now getting happening to her. Oh yeah. So she seemed like an easy ticket for him because he caught her staring at him multiple times. She was like... So he approached her. He was soon upgraded to be a full-time handyman for the place, and they became a couple. In late 1966, the boarding house opened. The house was almost immediately filled up. Social workers had seen Dorothea as some sort of saint and directed a lot of the disabled and homeless into Dorothea's care. Did they care that a house was unlicensed? No. She was doing so much for the community. It wasn't as much as the actual establishments were able to do, but those in her care were getting much worse beforehand. So, Did checks go missing in the mail from time to time? Yes. It's Dorothea. <gasps> oh my god. That, sorry. Dorothea and Roberto Pionte were married in a yet another extravagant wedding in 1968. Like, I want to see these weddings because she went awesome. This wedding took place back in Mexico City. And of course, Dorothea was going on how she was back at home at last. We, we all dang know sh- that she is Pinocchio, but like evil. She's like, I've returned to my home country. Girl, you've never Too been bad there. my 18 brothers and sisters aren't here. I know, right? <laughs> They've moved on. They're oh, no longer gosh. in Mexico. They all went everywhere. 
I can't. Since Roberto was now an American citizen, this is when he would now stray. As soon as he could escape the honeymoon period in Dorothea's bedroom, he moved into the spare bedroom as soon as possible. He said he moved due to her snoring. He had seen he was seen openly taking multiple young girls out um, much closer to his age, and the word soon got back to Dorothea, as she had become so popular in the town now. Oh my god. Dorothea didn't care much about this, as long as he looked good for the Hispanic community, so she could grab more opportunities out there. She was like, I just want the opportunity from the Mexicans. So Dorothea loved living a high life, spending her money and money she stole from her residence on fashion, scents, and banquets. She had a dinner with Pat Brown, Ronald Reagan, and his first wife, (laughs) Jane Winman. She had even met well-known actor Clint Eastwood at a point, so she was really living her best life. Stop this. Right? Clint Eastwood, sweetie, I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'm so sorry you had to meet her. What? How did that, like, that's the most random thing. Is this actually true? Is this another lie? <laughs> it actually happened. She was living, she was, she nuts. was in high society in California. Jesus. So, like. Clint Eastwood, what's the tea? <laughs> right. Probably doesn't remember. <laughs> Give me a movie on this. <laughs> but since she did love to high life so much, this meant she would have to swipe even more checks from her residence, including their oh, personal God. belongings. So when police um, came to Dorothea about this, she made excuses about her residence and how their memories were fleeting. So they became confused. Yes, let's blame the poor, disabled, um, old, older people. The complaints kept rolling in from both past and current residents, literally saying that Dorothea had been pocketing social security checks and only paying out spending money to her residents. But this all fell on deaf ears. Love that. Oh my god. The social workers felt that the less alcohol they could get their hands on, the better. So, as a lot of the residents were alcoholics. Dorothea and Roberto's marriage lasted 16 months. And when it did end, Dorothea wasn't phased. This gave her time to look for a new husband and clean his room out and open it for a new resident. She's like, oh, well, on to the next. Oh, well, let's go for number four. I'm so speechless with this woman. Oh. I, I, don't, I didn't know what to expect. You told me she was a lot, but this is insane. This part's going to be really kind of sad. Okay. Oh, no. Dorothea would pick... Don't make me cry for Dorothea, please. Oh, not for her. <laughs> If <laughs> everyone but her. Um, Dorothea would pick up older men at bars, even going home with them. When at their place, she would slip drugs into their drinks and rob them. The drugs had hit them so hard that they couldn't move, but could see all that was going on when she was going through their stuff. Stop. I know, she's um. So they're just like laying yeah. there like catatonic, yeah. but can like see everything and can't do anything. That, oh. She's like nasty. She's like vile. Unfortunately for one of her victims, Malcolm McKenzie, he was a 74-year-old pensioner. And on the night, they had a few drinks together before going back to his place. And on the way back to his place, she he had started to feel dizzy as Dorothea would have added some drugs into his final drink before leaving the bar. He put the cause of his dizziness to the long day he just had and she dumped him onto his couch and began to salvage through his stuff. Poor Malcolm was unable to move as she stole his rare penny collection, checkbook, and all the cash hidden in his house. She then even went up to him, knelt down, and attempted to take his diamond ring off his finger. She took several attempts to attempting to yank off his swollen finger while popping his finger in and out of place. So, when this wasn't working, she went to the kitchen and grabbed some lard for lubrication. Unfortunately, this worked, and she drew his eyes shut, knowing that he wouldn't be able to do a thing until the next afternoon. And she was off. She continued this pattern for years, and it was... Oh my god, I'm crying for Malcolm. Oh my god. Are you okay? What the actual hell? I know. It, it's it, That is it, so messed she up. She makes me sick. When I was like writing this up, I was like so what in shock. Oh my god. Okay. okay. Cry break. So, uh, I don't have any tissues on me. I use them all on Anita. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, Jesus. Um, so yeah, Dorothea continued this pattern for many years, and it was 1976 when she met husband n- number four. His name was Pedro Montalvo. He was an alcoholic that Dorothea met in a bar. Originally, he was just going to be one of her victims, but she was taken in by his charm, and she couldn't find herself oh, drugging his drink. But the next day, he had moved into her little apartment above the boarding house. So, like, he moved in, like, straight away. I can't. Making her so shocked right now. I am... 
what the fuck is happening? Like, you were like, oh, prepare, Dorothy is a lot. And I'm like, I can't wait. It's super hyped to hear about this. This is fucking How do you nuts. think I'm going? My brain is such a mess. So they were married in a small ceremony and they had a short and sweet oh, honeymoon one. period. Right? But like her second husband, Dorothy came to find that Pedro had quite the temper, especially when drunk. But unlike Axel, he just beat her for no good reason. Um, not that there's any good reason for abuse. Yeah, I was going to say saying. Reason, yeah. Um, but yeah, he would just... Not even Dorothea deserves yeah, that. Just a figure of speech. I don't actually mean, because that's shit. Anyway, the beatings led Dorothea to move out of her own apartment into the boarding house. And she spent her time with the residents where they showed her adoration, adoration which she enjoyed. Two months... Oh my God. Right? So, um... She even escaped. She was like, oh, no, oh, no. So two months into their marriage, after their marriage began, it ended. Pedro left across state lines and was never seen again. Four marriages down and Dorothea was now done with marriage in the idea of partnership. From this point, she intended to live her life alone and well. That's no more husbands for Dorothea. Dorothea had, that's why I'm like, I'm still going through the husbands. (laughs) (sighs) So Dorothea had done a bunch for the Mexican community. She had made contributions to the arts and education programs so that the community could advance in these areas. And now she wanted to become something of a social worker and the, for the women in the community. With her knowledge in medication and herbalism, she was able to assist the ladies in getting birth control. And as the men in their lives strongly forbade it. Dorothea would also give them advice and help them out with their divorce proceedings. They called her La Doctora, and to some, she was seen as a mother figure. So she done good stuff for that. Yeah, she done some good things, which is nice. Dorothea used her new dislike towards men to fuel her continuous stealing from them. (laughs) As she's (laughs) continuing... Please. Sorry, she she used her new dislike towards men. Her new dislike, yeah. It fueled her to continue stealing as she continued to patrol the bars. She decided to switch things up, though. Instead of the straight-up method of stealing, she would gather information about the men, seeing who were receiving pensions and benefits from the state. So, doing this, she would make a false charge of address claims, so when all their future checks were sent to her own address on F Street, like, she literally got the information so their checks would be sent to her. This woman... So instead of stealing the one check, she's like, you know what? I'll take them all. I know. She's like... And just like... this. <sighs> so she already had so many checks like this due to her residence and them constantly changing. So no one ever batted an eye over it. Oh my god. Just mail fraud on top of everything else. Ugh, Dorothea had been making so much money from her clients and the money she was taking in and the acts of treasury fraud that she was getting to the point of still having money left over to spend at the end of each month. Yet she wanted more. <laughs> So, she started looking into other sources of income. She had now seen how the rich made their money and wanted in. And this is when she came into contact with Ruth Monroe. Dorothea tracked down an up-and-coming catering company. And this company was ran by Ruth Monroe. A lot of the investments and a great deal of support that Ruth had received were from her husband. But unfortunately, by the time that Dorothea had crossed her path, he had taken ill. He's like a bigger supporter. So to Ruth, when Dorothea came along to help out the company and get it back on track, she seems like an angel from above. Oh my God. Oh honey. Not before long, her and Ruth opened up a food service business together, providing affordable meals to Sacramento's population and being able to pull in some money to make a wage. After a while, Dorothea became bored of this and... And she, as she does, so she went back to work at the boarding house. Dor- Ruth didn't mind this at all because she can now afford employees to help out. Like, she has the right idea for yeah. some of these things, but just doing it for the complete wrong reasons. She has no good on her heart. Like, opening a boarding house to help people, like, you know, making, like, food Stop banks and stuff to help people. Like, it's such the right idea, yeah. but it's just the not wrong. for the right reasons. No. She's like, I just want the money. Yeah. So the two became friends. Well, in Ruth's size, at least. Dorothy. Oh, no, Ruth. I know. Dorothy. I know Ruth, yeah. Poor Ruth. Oh, you'll be saying that. Oh, God. Dorothea found it kind of uncomfortable that she had enjoyed other humans' company without trying to get anything <laughs> from them, like other friendships. Dorothy is having a feeling. She's like, oh, no, I don't like this. So by the spring of 1982, the year after her partnership with Ruth was founded, police had actually contacted Dorothea, giving her a warning in regards to the evidence being formed against her about redirected government checks. There wasn't any evidence 
tying her to the earlier druggings and robberies yet, but the man she had recently defrauded had been going to the police about this, so the connections were being made. So finally, the police were giving the thieving claims made by her past and present residents the actual time of day. Finally. Oh my god, finally. So Dorothea was left to manufacture a way to escape these truthful claims and jail. Oh, Jesus. While this was going on, Paul Roof's life hit a wall. Her husband's health oh. had gotten worse and he was put into hospital for full-time palpative care. He was oh. losing his battle with cancer. It had gotten oh. so bad that the doctors wouldn't prescribe him with anything more stronger than painkillers. So he was dying pretty fast. Oh, that's so sad. It's so sad. Dorothy, I swear to God. <laughs> She comes in here, oh my god, don't give me that look, what happened? I'm scared. <laughs> the cost of him being in hospital became a lot more than Ruth could handle, and she was forced to sell the family home for a fraction of its worth. She had nowhere to stay now, her children had lived away, and so moving in with them meant leaving her husband, and she couldn't do this. Oh. So Dorothea herself offered her a room in her apartment above the boarding house. Ruth was so surprised by the offer, but she accepted nevertheless. Oh, Ruth, you sweet thing. Dorothea treated her like absolute royalty when she moved in, but then suddenly Ruth herself became sick. She became sluggish, unable to move or do anything, and Dorothea began to make her cocktails to take the edge off. Dorothea, I swear to fucking God. Unfortunately, um, Ruth drinking these cocktails just made her worse, because how else was Dorothea going to sneak the drugs in to eventually kill her? Sorry. Oh my God. Spoiler. I know. Ruth's son, William, came to her aid as soon as he found out that she was sick. When he showed up, he was surprised to see her giggling away with a cocktail in hand alongside Dorothea. He became suspicious of Dorothea. He hadn't heard of her until a couple of weeks prior, and now his mother was so close with her. It didn't seem right with him. Same. (laughs) All right. So whenever he tried to speak to his mother seriously about the scenario, Dorothea made sure she was close by to listen in and add into the conversation. He felt as though Dorothea's stare was blank, as though she was dead behind the pale blue eyes, and this didn't make him feel so confident. Oh my god. When it was time for William to leave, he was incredibly confused and disturbed, but had to return back to his home. He knew in his gut something was up, and he just couldn't prove anything. And so by the end of April 1982, Ruth had passed away. Oh, Ruth. Dorothea was seen as a suspect of this straight away, but she put on the act of looking absolutely distraught by the fact of losing a friend. I hate her. So Dorothea gave them a story of how this occurred. Ruth's husband is in hospital dying. Ruth became depressed and took her life. That was that. Yeah. Fuck right off. No. So the coroner noticed a massive overdose of Ruth's medication in her system mixed over the counter drugs. Suicide just seemed like the most obvious explanation. Stop it. Oh my god. Oh yeah. And then Dorothea went on with her life as normal. She had just killed someone, but to her it was like nothing happened. It's Dorothea. So. I cannot deal with this. I know. She's so much. She continued forging checks and processed the paperwork to shut down her and Ruth's food service business in the Round Corner Tavern. When she told the tragic tale of Ruth's death, she spun the suicide story in order to gain sympathy. She told the story so many times that she began to believe it was the truth. Yeah, because she's the one that deserves the sympathy. Right? I hate her. Like, I'm, so, I'm getting so mad. <laughs> Ruth's son, William, was not satisfied when the case of his mother's death became closed on account of suicide. He knew Dorothea did it. He found out what yeah. going through her banking when she moved into the boarding house. Transferred had started going from her savings into her and Dorothea's business account. Dorothea even took all the money from the sale of Ruth's home originally for her husband's hospital bills, also all onto the business joint account. She is... Ugh. Heartless, I know. A real piece of work. William was the executor of his mother's estate. He saw the money in the joint account going nowhere, but if he witnessed movement, he was going straight into the police to report the theft. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. William underestimated the woman. What the? F- what does that mean? What happened? That's the end of part one. Um, so no! I'm gonna stop here. I need to know. What? So um, yep, it's a lot. It's so much, and that's only the first half. Um, don't end us on a cliffhanger. I'm sorry, but uh, <laughs> I'm so invested. I'm so scared. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna give us a bit of a break with Dorothea now. Um, but that's Dor- the um, the um origins of Dorothea Piante, and she just gets worse. How can she get worse? Uh, she's she's a whole case. 
Megan's very I um gobsmacked. Argue. That's how my face when I was reading about her. <laughs> I'm literally just sitting here with my mouth open. Like, I cannot deal with any of this. <laughs> She's so done. But uh, still a bit to go. So get excited for that. Um, <laughs> I need to know. Oh, my God. <laughs> to be continued next like, week, I, guys. I, I'm so invested. I need to know. But at the same time, like, I'm so done. <laughs> same. So, yeah, I apologize. I, me just whipping out two-parters. I had to go for freaking people of issues. Um, well, they all have issues, but, you know, these people. So much this going on in their nuts. lives. Um, I guess that is so Dorothy. I knew nothing about this woman. I never heard about it before. So, like, finding out about her and stuff is crazy. Because, like, this is crazy. She is so much. Because, <laughs> yeah, you told me, you're like, it's a lot, but I don't know what I was expecting. And it, like, I can tell you it wasn't this. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> but, oh my yeah. God, okay. You're welcome. I hope you guys enjoyed you. it. I can't wait. <laughs> oh, my God. Tune in for part two because I am ready. Oh my gosh. I need to know what happened. I need the tea on William. I swear to God, if anything happens to William, I swear to God. Oh my gosh, I know, I'm right? So, I'm so scared. I know. I'm so scared. I'm so worried. It's so fine. It's... Anyway, but yes, that's... um. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. Thank you. Um, Make sure to follow us, if you would like, on social media. We're on Instagram. Yeah. At Cult Killers Thrillers. And we're on Twitter. At Cult Killed Thrill. We're on TikTok. At Cult Killers Thrillers. And finally, we are also on YouTube. At Cults, Killers and Thrillers Podcast. So, yeah, thank you guys for listening. She's, um, Dorothy is a lot. Thank you for bearing with us and our little banters and stuff. But, um, sometimes we need that kind of stuff when things are so heavy. Yeah. <laughs> that was a ride and we're not even finished yet. No. I feel like we've just got to the top of the roller coaster. Yeah. And now I'm stuck there. Yeah. Waiting for it to go down, so... I'm assuming everything's just going to go down in part two as well. So, yep. Oh, God. Get okay. <laughs> it's a ride. We're going to be thrust down the roller coaster. Jesus. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Um, tune in next week, guys. Yes, tune in. I'm, I'm scared. I'm so worried. So yeah, Dorothy is a lot. If you want to hear the more end of this, then get excited because it's going to be so much. <laughs> I can't but wait. Thanks, guys, for listening. Well, thanks for listening. See you next week for more Dorothea. <gasps> can't wait. <gasps> Bye. Bye.